The Church Media Podcast, episode number 59, Marketing to the Next Generation with Sandy Ellingson. Let's do it. Hey there. Welcome to the Church Media Podcast. The definitive podcast for helping you create dynamic experiences and build solid media production teams at your church. We're bringing you knowledge and insight from top media professionals from around the world. Useful, practical content in the areas of live production, design, leadership, digital communications, and more. Show notes for this episode and all archive episodes of the show are available online at 1230media.com podcast. Broadcasting from the ministry headquarters of 1230 Media, here's your host, church media coach, Carl Barnhill. Hey guys, welcome to the Church Media Podcast. I'm Carl. Thanks for hanging out this week. Our goal is to help you create dynamic experiences and build a solid, thriving media production team at your church. We do that by offering some premium church media knowledge and talking with the best minds in the field. Today on the show, I welcome an old friend, social media strategist Sandy Ellingson will be sharing with us today how to use inbound marketing and other techniques to reach the next generation for Christ. Sandy and I go back about 10 years when I was the media manager for Precept Ministries International in Chattanooga, Tennessee. I helped direct and produce the television and radio show of Bible teacher Kay Arthur, and Sandy came on to consult with our teams and help with social media and marketing. Today, she brings her spunk and charm to you guys. You're going to love her. My exclusive interview with Sandy, moments away. And now, your church media resource of the week. Software, websites, gadgets, and tools that will resource your creativity and your ministry. Hey everyone, Dan Bracken here from Ginghamsburg Church in Tip City, Ohio with your church media resource of the week. I produce at least one video a week, sometimes two or three. That means I need a deep, reliable source of great music. Free music resources are great, but I've not found a free resource that matches the breadth and creativity of firstcom.com online music library. Good videos, as they say, are 90% audio, so trust me, the right track is worth a little money. I currently have a firstcom.com yearly subscription that I have renewed for the last seven years. Give Firstcom a visit and let one of their agents create a plan that's right for you. For more free resources for your team, visit 1230media.com slash training. This is the Church Media Podcast. Hey guys, today I welcome by phone a friend and former co-worker to the podcast, marketing and social media strategist Sandy Ellingson. I've known Sandy for almost 10 years as we worked together at Preset Ministries International in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Sandy is a social media strategist and entrepreneur. She consults and trains ministries and faith-based organizations all over the country, and she has a smile on her face every time I see her. Sandy, welcome. Thanks for hanging out. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Now, you're so spunky every time I see you. I think that's just a, a good word to describe you, just spunk. <laughs> I think that's the way God God made me, and so I hear that quite often, and I'm happy to to be that spark. So <laughs> Now, what you been up to lately? I hadn't seen you in a few months. We uh, connected at, at NRB. We connect uh, 
usually every year we we see each other there. And uh, so, what what you been up to? Uh, what's been going on in the last few months with you and and your companies? Well, other than keeping up with my NRB st- uh, requirements, uh, I have actually taken about the last eighteen months off, and I have done no consulting, which wow. has been very odd for me after a twenty five year career. But I've been working on a product that I am so excited about, and I'm doing it with several other friends in the open source world so that we can do it as lean and mean as possible. And it's something that I really believe is so needed in the Christian market and the faith-based world right now. And we are preparing to launch that in the fall. So I I feel like I have been pregnant for 18 months. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Now, can you give us a tease, or you want us to hold hold in suspense? Can you give us anything? Well, I can give you enough to give you an idea of what it is. Um, One of the things that I have found in working with faith-based organization is they are always stuck with making a decision between either paying somebody to do a good website for them or paying somebody to market for them. Very seldom can that mid-sized church or nonprofit be able to afford to pay someone to create a a top-notch website or be able to pay someone to do the work every single month that's going to help them be found. And so that always just broke my heart because I couldn't, I would talk with clients and they'd say, well, I've got a budget to do this. And if you tried to divide that budget, you really weren't doing them any favors. So we've come up with a process that will not only allow them to have an amazing website that could actually be created in 90 seconds or less, but it will also help them rank and drive traffic without ever really doing one single thing. We, we have automated everything on the back end. That's amazing. Uh, I know I know a lot of churches struggle with even the sticker shock of a, of a great website. You know, you go, well, it's going to be 20 grand easy. <laughs> what? Right. You know, you get heart attacks from the... <laughs> so, uh, right. so great solutions that you can um, get and maintain on your own is going to be incredible. I'm excited about that. I'd love to uh, get with you later on this year and and help you promote it and, uh, you, you know, uh, express it and, and, and promote it to our audience. I'd love to tell them what you're yeah, up to. Well, the neat thing about this is this doesn't take the place of a full-blown functional website that will create, that will do a lot of things for you on the back end. But what it does solve the problem for is those churches who have no web presence, and when I say that, if they haven't touched their website in the last 12 months, they have no web presence, right? Yeah. yeah. Or... They, they don't know how to make it work for them. So it's really good for that small nonprofit that needs that web presence that's going to help them be found. But it's also great for those people who have spent five to ten or $20,000 on a website, but then they can't get the traffic. So, right. so those are the two problems that we think we've solved, and we're really excited. And right now we don't, we're not finalizing the price point, but we're looking at probably less than 19 bucks a month. Wow, that's incredible. Literally. It will do what I have been charging clients fifteen hundred to three thousand dollars a month to do. Wow! Um, yeah, I'm very excited. So yeah. yes, we will definitely have to talk again later. Yeah, would love to. Now, I gave a little intro to you to our audience, but for those who don't know you, who don't know who you are, tell us a little bit about, uh, about yourself, what your passion is, how you got started. Give us the give us the quick bio. Well, let's see. Um, I graduated high school at 16 and college at 18 and couldn't teach because you had to be 21 to teach in Georgia. Wow. And so I took a little break and decided to do some banking and worked in banking until I had children. Then I was a stay-at-home mom, and while I did that, I learned that I had a, a passion for computers and for technology. And it was nothing that I had ever been taught. I just 
absorbed it like a sponge. So once my kids got into school, I started my technology career. I've spent 25 years there. Um, I started out implementing accounting software and product productivity software, business intelligence software for corporations and businesses. And then as the years went, I shifted my portfolio from being primarily businesses to being primarily nonprofits and churches. And so now in this season of my life, I only work with nonprofits and, and um, Christian-based nonprofits and churches. But what I do now is really take um, my clients and look at from the top down developing strategy first, understanding what it is they want to accomplish as an organization, and then helping them choose the right tools. Most of the time, they already have them. They just don't know how to use them. Mm. So we teach them how to use those tools to reach the goals that they want and then how to measure those goals to know if they're actually doing something. So, um, so I really am kind of one of those unique hybrids where I won't just throw Facebook or Twitter or a website at you. If you don't have a clue what you really want to do, and we haven't kind of gone down that path of saying, what do we want to accomplish, then we, we won't touch the other stuff because it's just a waste of God's resources, and I won't do that. So true. Now, um, you're heavily involved in, in NRB. Uh, we know each other through that as well. Um, you're, are you still on the technology committee, and what, what do you guys do? What kind of projects are you involved in, and how can you um, tell our audience about what you guys do at NRB through that committee? Well, being a, being a part of NRB and specifically the Digital Media Committee, we renamed it this year, um, is just such a privilege, and, and I love being a part of it. Uh, years ago when I first started, I think it's been 13 years, uh, people would tease and say, well, it's an, it's an old man's club, you know, the suit and tie. But over the last 13 years, we've seen not, not only the membership, but the leadership really embrace the younger generation, and really want to be able to provide that valued content and education on how to reach the younger generation. And the technology committee um, actually has morphed to the digital media committee because of that. And our job, we put on a digital media summit every year that sits right inside of the NRB convention, and we provide amazing content to the people that come and top-notch speakers. I mean, we've had people like Guy Kawasaki, um, and several others that are, they're not just Christians, but they're in the for-profit space doing amazing things. And so that's what we try to do. Um, each of us is committed to working and helping some nonprofits and some churches that are members of NRB just by volunteering some of our time, and we do that every year. And, and I just love that. And I think it's so important for people to understand what NRB does for the Christian community and that you know, so many things that we have and we take for granted, it's because they're fighting on the front lines for us. I was going to so ask I, you about that. I love that. being a part of NRB. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that and, and let's talk about that for just a second, about how people may not realize that the NRB is so involved in our freedom to express our faith on the airwaves um, and really fight to keep that and maintain that. Maybe tell me about some of the, the battles that are going on or some of the things that you've dealt with over the years that maybe has, has happened, maybe battles that we fought to keep our uh, freedoms on, on the airwaves and things like that that maybe a general public or general churches may not know about. Yes, it is. Um, well, you know, it's kind of funny. I started going to NRB. Really, clients would pay me to go, and they would say, I just want you to walk the floor and look at all the technology and tell me if there's anything I should use. 
Mm-hmm. And so I had really no interest in NRB as an organization. I just wanted to go see the technology that was being offered. Right. And it really took me two or three years before I had to stop and say, what is this organization really about? And so it just so happened that about that time, there was a major vote in Congress that literally would have prevented anybody, not just faith-based organizations, but anybody, but of course it was targeted at faith-based organizations, from being able to put anything on the airwaves um, without having to pay for an opposing view. So now we can have our sermons on the air, we can preach on Sunday mornings, we can have Bible study shows on the radio, and if somebody doesn't agree with us, they just don't agree with us. But what this law would have done if it had passed was it would have removed that right. We could not have done that unless we actually paid for the time for someone else to uh, to give their dissenting view. Mm. So how many non-pro- nonprofits struggle just to pay for radio and airtime and things on the Internet? Imagine if they not only had to pay for their airtime, but to put somebody else on the air just because they disagreed with them to give that dissenting view. Mm. So when you're talking about the definition of a family and you're talking about, you know, the definition of marriage, um, all of these things, um, you know, the right to life movement, if you wanted to get out and say as an organization, we, we believe in, in the right to life and we stand against abortion, you would have to pay equal time for someone to say, I, I believe in a woman's right to choose. Now, the opposing thing is they wouldn't have to do that for us. Mm, amazing. So, so we literally came one vote in Congress to having that pass. One vote. And it was mm. NRB who was there, who was talking to the senators, who was talking to all the people, and nobody ever knew that. And when I, somebody told me that, I was like, wow, yeah. this really is a relevant organization that I need to be a part of. And so that's when I started learning more and more. And, of course, that's just one part of what NRB does. Right. But they do so many amazing things that we just don't know as Christians that allow us to have such amazing content available to us that would not be possible if it weren't for what they're doing. And if you're listening and you want to check that out, uh, their website is nrb.org. And feel free to check that out and uh, come to the convention next year. Uh, Sandy and I be there and, uh, uh, lots of great people to network with and, and things like that. Uh, just a great organization to, to be a part of now, uh, Sandy, I'd love to shift our conversation a little bit to how to market. You mentioned this a little bit earlier, how to market to the next generation or millennials, um, is a buzzword now that everybody uses. Um, so one way that you, uh, help churches and, and other nonprofits do this is through, a method called inbound marketing. Maybe explain what that is or permissive marketing, which is a, a term. I think Seth Godin came up with that term and, and wrote a book uh, about it. But maybe explain what inbound marketing is and, and how you uh, coach and train uh, churches and nonprofits to use that method. Okay, so inbound marketing really, if you think about it, the opposite of inbound is outbound. And outbound marketing is all of your older traditional marketing, which means your radio, your TV, your print, your billboards, those type things. They are outbound because you're sending a message out hoping people will hear it and respond. Inbound marketing is the opposite, and inbound marketing is only possible on the web. So you you have to do that. Now, there's a couple of places where they're trying some inbound techniques with TV today, but, but it's really not there yet. But on the web... 
inbound marketing, if you're not doing it, you're already at the top of the bell curve. And so you're in trouble. But inbound marketing means that you create an environment or you create content so that when people are searching for something, they will find you. So instead of saying, let me sell you baby diapers, and that's going on the radio and the TV, and grandmama's hearing it, or someone hears it that has no grandkids, no kids, period, in diapers, you know, only with inbound marketing, you are setting up content so people who are already looking for you find you. So if you have written multiple blogs on um, how to deliver the plan of salvation to someone, or if you've written lots of blogs on finding the best church in, in your area, or if you've written lot, if you're the subject matter expert on um, witnessing to a cult, well, by creating all this content, when somebody sits at their computer and says, how do I witness to someone in a cult, they will find you because you've created the content. That's inbound. They're coming inbound to you. And when they find you, they're 27 times more likely to engage with you because they're looking for you. You're not screaming at them. They're looking at you. They're looking for you. So that's what inbound marketing is. It's been associated with millennials, mostly because that's where millennials are. They're on the web. Right. But really, inbound marketing works for everybody because today we're all on the web. 97% of people have some type of a device that they are connecting to the web with, and that is worldwide, which is crazy. If yeah. you think about all the third world countries, we've now reached 97% that's of incredible. people have some type of a connection to the web. And what was it a few years ago? I know this to be true. I don't, I don't know if it still is now, but the rising demographic on Facebook is seniors. Um, right. You know, is that is that still true? You know, basically, I'm I'm saying that it's not just millennials. Uh, you know, it's all generations, all uh, age groups are you know engaging with the web and social media. That absolutely, everybody is there. So, uh, grandmamas and mamas are there because they want to find out what their kids are doing. That's you yeah. know their own line on Facebook or some of the other social media. Now, some of the younger generation has left Facebook, but some yeah. of them, I mean, a lot of them are still there too, just because they're there for the same reasons. They're there to keep up with their family that might be older, not necessarily their friends. Right. But reaching the first part of your question was, how do you reach a millennial? And, and that's a question that I really am passionate about. I use technology because it helps me reach millennials, but my heart is really to reach this generation. And um, there are really three things that you have to do to reach a millennial. The first one is you have to be authentic. Um, they can smell somebody right. that's not authentic a mile off, right? So you can't go out and pretend to be something you are not. And you know what? Being authentic sometimes means not being perfect. But that's okay because they can forgive us when we're not perfect. It's when we have we pretend to be perfect that we lose their connection. Right. And so, so that's one of the first things that I always tell people about. And and it's interesting because from the boomer generation, we want to deliver excellence. That's just a part of being a boomer. And so we're afraid to be excellent. I mean, we're afraid to be authentic because authentic doesn't necessarily mean excellent. Um, the second thing is meet them where they are. And, and I love that because that's just what Jesus did. He just met them where they are. So we need to not necessarily say, hey, come to me, but we need to go to them. And I mean that physically and I mean that 
from the standpoint of looking at digital media. We have to go to where they are. So for your staff, Snapchat may not be the most appealing thing, but if that's where those millennials are that you are trying to reach, you need to be there. Oh, and then the last thing is, which is really important, is you have to show them how they can change the world. And changing the world might be winning somebody to Christ, but you can't just start there because they're lost. Even those that may believe that they have a relationship with Christ, they have so little biblical knowledge now because we've just lost all that in this last generation that we have to use different language. We have to talk to them about changing the world and then tell them how to change the world with Christ once we've drawn them in. But every single millennial built into their core wants to make a difference, wants to change the world. So all we have to do is tap into their felt needs, connect with their passion, and then be transparent as we're, as we're communicating with them, and you will reach them. And it doesn't mean you have to build a, a big stage with smoke and a, a loud band. I mean, I, I talk with millennials every day who are very happy in some of the very conservative churches. Yeah. And so it's not, we can't put them all into a box and say, well, every millennial is going to respond to that concert-type church or the independent church. They don't. They respond to the church that reaches them where they're passionate, where they're at, and and meeting their felt needs. That is very, very true. Um, in fact, I uh, I did a podcast episode a few weeks ago with John Schlitt, who was uh, the lead singer of Petra, and um, you know he was saying the same thing, and he's seen that over the last thirty years, even in ministry. That like he's a rocker, but uh, you know. Not every millennial is a rocker, or, or not every old person is is completely traditional. There are uh, people that like certain styles and will reach people in different ways, no matter the the age group. So I, I'm agreeing with what you're saying. I'm saying that's that's incredible uh, information. In that, um, I think a lot of times people do think that to reach a millennial, it's got to be the concert, it's got to be the elevation style church when that might not necessarily be the case. Absolutely. And I believe that God has given me this passion for that age group because it really, we're going to go back full circle now because we have to ask ourselves the question, where are we going to meet them? Where are we going to be authentic? Where are we going to address their felt needs? Where are we going to connect with their passion? Where are we going to be transparent? And it's going to be in the digital space. That's good. Because that's where they are. So let's go back to inbound, inbound marketing and how this uh, that relates to reaching millennials still. So if I if I maintain my church's website um, or, or work with the marketing team at my church, what are some effective ways? Give me some maybe practical tips to use inbound marketing to reach millennials and either and, and even other uh, generations. Well, the first thing you have have to have is your strategy, and so you have to know who is it you are trying to reach. And the more clarity you can bring to that, the better off you're going to be. So it's not you're not just trying to reach a millennial, right? You might be trying to reach a 18 to 23-year-old millennial, or you might be trying to reach a 25 to 30-year-old millennial. There's really two distinct groups, right? And they're going to have different needs. You might be wanting to reach an African-American millennial, or it might be a Hispanic millennial, or it might be a Korean millennial. We were working on a strategy for one church, and it was funny because I was making the assumption as we were talking online that it was just a general population. And then 
in digging deeper, they said, oh, no, no, we only want Koreans. We are ministering in a Korean community, and so we're only looking for Koreans, and some of these people may not even speak English. Mm. Well, boy, didn't that change what we were doing, right? Yeah. So, so you really have to talk about the strategy. The next thing you have to do is think about your keywords, and all of these are parts of inbound marketing. So get your strategy, de- determine who your, um, the profile is that you're trying to reach, determine the keywords that you're going to go after, and you do that by putting yourself in their shoes. If you were sitting in front of the computer, what questions would they ask that you would want to lead to you, right? So if you were a church, what kind of question is a millennial going to sit at the computer and type in when he's trying to find you, right? So they might type in that said, you know, church that will accept me the way I am. Yeah, or what do I wear? That might be the phrase they type in. And so when I say key words, you're really talking about key phrases. Right. And so, you know, the second thing, you know, they might say, church that's close to my neighborhood. Right. Right. What are they going to type in? And so that's what you need to pack. Those are the words that need to be a part of the content on your website. And they need to go in very strategic places. Mm. And so now Google changes its algorithm all the time, but Google wants to look good to the people who are searching. And so they make sure that they force the people that are creating websites to be authentic and honest now. Where we used to could do some stuff on the backside and influence those searches doesn't happen anymore. All those meta tags and, you know, backside things that we used to do, they're so low down in the search engine, it doesn't even, I mean, it's just not relevant anymore. But the things that are really important is what's between the two dots. Doesn't matter the www, and doesn't matter if it's .com, .net, .org, .house, .us, .consulting. That doesn't matter. It's what's between the dots. So talk, talk to that on how maybe uh, how important a URL, if you're choosing a URL or wanting to purchase one, Say you have your your main church site, but you're doing a campaign that uh, you buy your own domain, and it's we want to change lives dot com or whatever. Talk talk at, at the importance of a of a good URL. Okay, so there's some real technical strategies that have to come into play when you're talking about some of that, and so without getting too technical, what I want to do is I want people to think, when was the last time that I went to a browser and I typed in www.firstbaptistchurch.com? Even if you know where you're going, the chances are you will not type that URL in. You'll go to the Google search bar and you'll type in First Baptist Church. And because Google knows where you are, it's going to find the First Baptist Church closest to you. Okay, so if you'll think about what's between the two dots, Um, that's the most important piece of information that you're going to want to think about. That's the first thing. Nobody goes to the search, to the search bar, types in the URL anymore. Um, that URL used to be important because we, we did traditional marketing, radio, TV, and newsprint to drive people to our website and we wanted them to remember who we are. So it had to be our name, right? Because that was what they were going to remember from this commercial or whatever it was we're doing. Well, today we're looking more for organic traffic where people don't even know who we are. And so what they're typing in will have absolutely nothing to do with our name. And so what you want to do is find a name or a phrase or something 
that you can capitalize on where that phrase will allow you to rank number one. And so um, we were able to, with one client, literally, just by buying a second URL, get them on page one immediately. Their old URL was their company name. And nobody knew what this company did anymore. And so they had literally just come onto the digital space. They were only known locally. They were trying to go national. And so nobody knew who they were. Well, when we created the URL from a lot of keyword research, and we knew how people were searching because you can find all this information free with Google, free Google tools. Um, we bought that domain. We didn't change the website. We didn't do one penny, penny worth of work. All we did was point that $6 domain we purchased to that old website URL, and they literally began ranking number one. Wow. Now, Google will only look at two URLs right now. And, again, they may have changed this, but, but in one of the last iterations, the way when it does its search, it looks at what's in between the two dots first. So if I type in... I want to learn to fly. If there is a URL, I want to learn to fly exactly like that, I get number one. Got it. So so then it goes down, and there's some other places that it looks. And so it's really important. And inbound marketing will teach you a lot of that. And, of course, HubSpot is the premier inbound marketing person, and they provide just a ton of free content to help you learn how to do all this. So maybe uh, along with this and along with how to set up uh, the keywords and whatnot, maybe one thing that I've heard you talk about before is to not use churchy words or churchy language, especially dealing right. with a younger audience. Talk to me about that a little bit. Well, that's another one of those things where years ago, especially in the Bible Belt where I'm from, everybody knew, you know, the church words. You know, you're, you've gotten saved, you're sent, you uh, sinned. They may even know word like sanctified, right? Right. Um, the, you know, talking about the Holy Spirit and prayer and all of those kind of things, those are words that are very common to my generation, especially coming from the Bible Belt. But today, those words don't mean the same thing to the millennials. And so we have to be real careful in how we're talking about um, things on the web if we want to attract them. It's like I said saying, I want to change the world, instead of saying, I want to impact somebody's life for Christ. It, you're going to change the world both ways, but they don't know they need to do that if they're lost. Right. Um, or if you talk about baptism, well, if they don't know what baptism is, then they're not going to be searching for baptism. You know, they just know there's a hole in their heart and they want it changed. They need to fill it with something. So give us some so solutions to, here. What what are some, uh, you know, new or words that we should be using? Well, I mean, a lot of the different churches are doing different things. They'll do they'll call baptism God plunge, right? And so they'll talk about taking you know taking the God plunge versus baptism. Um, instead of saying um, salvation, they'll talk about making Jesus the leader of your life. And they'll talk about or making or Jesus being the forgiver um, of everything you've done wrong instead of saying the forgiver of your sins. They don't, you know, again, you've gotten way too deep once you've gone into talking sin, right? right? But or using the term like mistakes, you know, somebody who's willing to accept you for who you are and to forgive all your mistakes. Because 
if I sit down at the computer and I'm looking for somebody to help me fix my life, I'm going to say somebody to help me fix my mistakes, right? I'm not going to say somebody who can help me be free of my sin. Yeah. I don't know I need to be free of my sin yet. And the other big thing in language is to make sure that as we're communicating, many, many times a millennial and a boomer will be saying the exact same thing. But if you don't say it in the right way, you will offend the millennial. And I say that because millennials are very sensitive to condemning the sin, but not the sinner. Now, they won't be able to say it in those words. But if you're having a conversation and you say something about, uh, let's, let's say drinking, okay? So if in your denomination, you know, you don't drink any alcohol and you see somebody drinking and you say, you know, I don't believe in drinking. I think that that, that person should not be drinking. Well, then that millennial, if you're a boomer, is going to hear you condemning that person not what they're doing, right? If you express it and say, I have some real concerns because I know that the act of drinking and getting involved in a drinking lifestyle could deter them from getting their college degree or from being successful in their marriage, and you focus on the act and not the person, then nine times out of ten, they'll totally agree with you. But if you start out by saying, I don't think that person should be drinking, then they hear you attacking the person, and now they don't like you because you're judgmental. So you're saying that you really, when I, I, it was interesting, I have two millennial sons, and I said something one time similar in front of my son, and he got so upset with me. And I'm like, what is this? I, I raised this kid. He knows the word. He knows how to study the word. Why is he yelling at me about this? I know he doesn't disagree with me, but it was the way I said it. Hmm. And then I had to step back and go, oh, I get it. I see what he's saying. Because he thought I was condemning the person and not what the person was doing. That's good. Um, now, so say I'm a, I'm a church and I need to, well, maybe one, I think, well, marketing is for a business. I don't need to to market myself. I, I mean, we're we're a church. We're a ministry. That I have no need to bring on a marketing person on staff or anything like that. Uh, so that's one question. And then maybe for another church that is struggling in this area, what are some quick strategies? Some qu- quick things that we can implement right away. Is there anything on your hot list that you can say? If you start doing these three things right away, you'll see a difference. Absolutely. So. Um Everybody can identify with the amount of information that is being forced on them all day long. Whether you are a Christian, whether you're a, a not a Christian, stay-at-home mom, or you work in the office, doesn't matter where you are, we get so much information coming into us every day from radio, from TV, from the Internet, from our cell phones. It is constantly coming at us. What we have to realize as a church is years ago we weren't competing with that. We didn't need to market because there was quiet spaces where people could hear us. They could drive in silence by and see that church, and they could they could um, listen to their friend in a real conversation talk about, have you visited this church? 
Today, we may have some of those same experiences, but it is just one more piece of noise. And so we are kidding ourselves if we think we don't have to to market and compete with the for-profit world because Google does not know the difference between a church, a nonprofit, and a business. In In the digital world, which is where we all live, we are all equals. And so we have to be there. We have to know what we're doing because the businesses do. And so it's really important that we are out there, we're positioning ourselves so that we can be found and that we can be heard and we can win this world for Christ. But so three things that I would really say to do right now is, again, the first thing we just talked about this, a great URL. Doesn't mean you have to change your website, just Find a phrase that you think people are searching when they want to find you, buy it, and point it at your website. Simple, easy, and under 10 bucks. Um, the second thing is Facebook Live. There are not a lot of people using that yet, so you've got a great opportunity to gain some ground early, and it is very easy to do. The only tool it takes is a smartphone, and so almost everybody has access to a smartphone. So you're... Uh, if you've got a youth group that you're trying to grow, stream that youth event live on Facebook. If you've got a Sunday morning service and you can't afford to stream live yet, try doing it on Facebook Live. Um, use that Facebook Live if you need to have meetings um, or, or you need to have, um, not meetings, if you need to get feedback from people. Invite people to show up on Facebook at this time and then have like a, you know, a, a a meeting with people that are there where you can ask them questions and you can talk to them about things that you'd like to do and get some feedback. If it's young people, say, hey, what would make you want to come to our church, right? And let them type in their answers and get some real feedback during that during that Facebook Live feed. So that's a really good tool. And then the other big tip is just to agree on what it is that you hope to attain and how are you going to measure it if you're successful. So no matter what you do, if it's just buying a new domain and pointing it or if it's using a Facebook Live, then say, I know that today we get 100 hits on our website, and by buying this new domain and pointing people, I hope to get 200 hits a day. And and set a goal for yourself that's realistic but challenging. If you're going to try doing Facebook Live, say, we've got – 400 likes on Facebook, we hope to engage 50 of them. 50 of the people that like us, we hope will come and watch us for at least some period of time. That way you give yourself some measure of whether this is successful and you don't just keep repeating things that aren't going to make uh, an impact and not move the needle. So how long should I test something out? Like what's the, uh, should I do six months worth of something or you know you you know those people that are oh, we tried it once we tried it twice it didn't work when they probably should have hung in there uh, for several months or uh, you know been more consistent at it and would seen would have seen uh, greater results. Do you have any suggestions there? Well, again, it's going to depend on the tool. Inbound marketing, I'm telling you, will take twelve months. Hands down. I don't know what what it is, but the magic number is 12 months. All the stuff that you do and all the investments you make in creating content, putting your your keywords in there, packing your website the way you want it, it's a long-term investment. It's going to take at least 12 months before you see real measurable results. But if you're talking about something like Facebook Live, 
that is something that you can see results immediately without spending any money, but then you need to tweak it. So you watch to see who participated, what were their comments, okay? Um, what If there was something negative that you can fix, change it up the next time. Um, but again, any of these things, any of the other social media tools, you really do need to give yourself six months of trial and error to get good at it. I mean, you don't get on a bicycle and expect to be able to ride the bicycle perfectly the first day. You know it's going to take some effort. And really, everything in life that is of value, that's really going to produce something of value, takes effort. And so we have to do that. Um, we have to work on it. I tell pastors all the time when I'm talking to them, I said, you know, how many times do you get up in your pulpit and as you're walking up, you, you decide right then what verse you're going to preach on. And then three or four minutes into the sermon, if you don't feel like it's going good, you walk out of the pulpit and just leave. And they look at me like I'm crazy right. because they go, well, first of all, media, I don't yeah. do anything like that right last minute, and I sure wouldn't leave right in the middle. And yet we're doing that online every day. And the same thing that would happen if he did that live in his church is what happens online every day. They just can't see it. Right. Right. They'll they'll they leave on you. Um, okay. That's right. So before I before I leave you, what are some some tools? Uh, you mentioned some some uh, tips that we can try real, uh, to see immediate results. Those are awesome. What are some tools that you would recommend? Uh, like you have this partner HubSpot that you mentioned earlier. Tell me about that right. and any other tools that you would recommend. Well, two things. HubSpot is, has an, an offering that's free, so you can get in and try it out. And so there's a, it's a kind of a no-risk thing, which I love. Um, the other thing they have is if you go to marketing.grader.com, G-R-A-D-E-R, grader.com, you do not have to put your email address in. Just put your URL in. Um, you can put your email address in, and then they'll start emailing you and trying to, you know, give you some great content and information, but you don't have to. Um, but it will give you a report on your website, and it will tell you what Google thinks about you. And what's, what's even better is every place where you're not doing well, it has a link to tell you how to fix it. That's Best really cool. piece of free advice, free tool ever is, is that. Because you can go there and learn so much and do so many things, and you can pick and do the things that you know how to do, and then any of the more technical stuff, you can take and just literally send that report to whoever does your website, and they'll know what to do with it. That is one of the best pieces of advice I can give any of my clients, is to be able to use that grader and then start there. I love to teach my clients to be independent of me, and so the more they can arm themselves and do on their own, the less they have to pay somebody to do. Right. And, and, and so the more money they can save and the more educated they can make themselves, um, more independent they become, then the more money there is left to do what they really want to do, which is ministry. That's right. And if you're listening uh, in the car or on your, uh, your uh, iPhone or somewhere that you're not taking notes, uh, I'm going to include all this stuff in the show notes. Uh, all the stuff that Sandy mentioned, all the website links, all this stuff, it's going to be in the, the show notes for you, 1230media.com forward slash podcast, uh, and all that's right there for you. So um, so I'll put all that in. 
Uh, Sandy, really appreciate you hanging out today. Thank you so much for for coming on. Uh, our time flew by, and uh, the incredible resources and uh, and insight. So thank you so much for hanging out. Well, thank you for letting me come. I look forward to talking again in the fall. Uh, oh, I would love to have you on to talk about your your project. Now, how can we follow you and get more resources from you and your team? Well, you can come to sandysocialstrategist.com and connect with me there. Or And I'm just basically Sandy Ellingson everywhere in social media. So if you search Sandy Ellingson, you'll find me. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate your friendship and uh, just sharing everything that you've shared today. Um, uh, you're, you're awesome and, uh, keep up your spunk. Yeah. Well, and thank you. Thank you for your faithfulness and your commitment to the, to the kingdom. Yeah. Now for more on, uh, from Sandy, uh, remember you can visit us online, 1230media.com forward slash podcast, get all the show notes, everything that Sandy talked about. And again, you can check her website out at Sandy socialstrategist.com that's sandy socialstrategist.com this week's podcast was sponsored by the following church media resource to share your tool or ministry on the show visit 1230media.com slash advertise i don't know why god has used a little youth band from a church in the outer suburbs of sydney but for some reason he's given us this opportunity when I started a church, I wanted to have a church that wrote songs that influenced the way people worship. There was this underground movement. We'd do these events and there'd be thousands turning up. In the end, our success is not about us. It's ultimately about God. When you take him out of the equation, we've got nothing. I believe that the God created music to connect people, the human heart, our soul, with heaven. The challenge is on to write a new record. Taylor's got a song. Jesus. All right, so we got that Jesus woo These songs are written for people to sing, not just to listen to. I believe there's life after death for eternity, and so I want people to come to that journey with us. Music has always been something that connects me to God straight away, and I realize, God, who am I to leave these people? I, I'm just a country girl. <laughs> Sony Studios. I guess this would be 11 albums. We're the biggest band you've never heard of. <laughs> you actually need time to listen, time to breathe, time to clear out all the noise. I really want to hear from heaven. sense absolutely not but i think more stuff doesn't make sense without him hillsong let hope rise in theaters now get shareable content for your team at 1230media.com hillsong
The Church Media Podcast. Essentials for executing your Sunday worship service. Here is Carl Barnhill. Hey guys, be sure to follow Sandy and check out her site at Sandy, S-A-N-D-Y, SandySocialStrategist.com. Well, that is a wrap for us this week. For complete show notes, transcripts, and more, visit 1230media.com forward slash 059 as in episode number 59. And while you're there, be sure to take a dive into the archives of previous episodes. Next week on the show, I welcome Matt Fridge. Matt is a professional filmmaker, cinematographer, and director. He has produced content for such clients as the Discovery Channel, the NFL, the GNC, the Pittsburgh Pirates baseball team. That'd be a fun one. And more. He is going to be here to chat about getting started in video production and give us some great tips for beginners. Be sure to give that a listen next week. I want to give a big digital high five to my friend David Michael Hyde. He's our producer extraordinaire. David is a composer and producer for film and digital media. You're not going to find anyone better for audio than this guy. Visit David at davidmichaelhyde.com. And if you're listening to this episode on our website, that's awesome. Be sure to subscribe to the show on iTunes so you never miss an episode. And while you're there, if you would take a moment and rate and review the show, uh, it helps us in the ranking in the iTunes database to get this content to more churches absolutely free. So share the love sometime today if you would. Go out there, guys, and create some incredible experiences this Sunday. I'll catch you next week. Thanks for listening to the Church Media Podcast. Please take a minute today to rate and review the show in iTunes. We'll catch you right here next week for another episode of the Church Media Podcast.